Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You know, the person who claims to have met the God of the Bible and yet has never had their life shaken up, everything's still just in the order that they've placed it in, you have to question whether they've met the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible will bring an earthquake into your life. He will displace everything. He will rearrange our lives. That's what he does. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Daniel chapter 10. Now here's Pastor Brian. All right, Daniel chapter 10. So remember, so the ninth chapter begins with Daniel and this prayer of intercession. Remember, he's he's reading the prophecies of Jeremiah. We saw how Daniel's he's meditating on scripture. He's reading the prophecies of Jeremiah, and he realizes from Jeremiah's prophecy that the 70-year period of captivity is just about to come to a conclusion. So he begins to pray. He begins to cry out to the Lord for his people, for his city, for Jerusalem. And as he prays, the angel Gabriel comes to him. And the angel Gabriel tells him, gives him kind of an overview of the future. Daniel's praying about the people. He's praying about the city. 70 years of captivity are going to come to an end. What is next? Gabriel reveals to him that there are 77s that are yet determined upon the nation and upon the holy city. So now there's a whole new time element that's introduced. And we saw how that's a 490-year period, uh, 77-year periods, and it's divided between the first 483 years that ends with the anointed one, the Messiah, coming and being cut off, but not for himself, and the city and the sanctuary being destroyed. But there's one seven-year period that's left. And at the end of these 77-year periods, these 490 years, everything will have then been accomplished. Verse 24 of chapter 9, 77s are decreed for your people, your holy city, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So when the 490 years are completed, everything will be done. Sin, wickedness, it's all a thing of the past. The most holy is anointed the, the kingdom comes at the end of the 490 years. 
And so as we pointed out, 483 of those seven-year periods transpired and came to a conclusion with the death of Jesus. And then after that, the destruction of the temple, there's one seven-year period that is yet to come, still ahead of us in history. Now, as we come to the end of the ninth chapter, and there Daniel, in the ninth chapter, he he gives, when each of these visions occur, he gives us a a historical reference by the ruler uh, at the time. So in the ninth chapter, it's in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, that this prayer and this vision took place. Now we go further and it's in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So now a new revelation connected, but different. And now it happens a little bit later in the reign of Cyrus. So this revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true And it concerned a great war, concerned a great conflict. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So this is a message that concerns this great conflict. And we're going to see immediately what that conflict is. So at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. This is a very similar vision to what John sees that's recorded in the first chapter of Revelation. So I think based upon the similarity, I think we could conclude that Daniel and John are seeing the same person. And John, of course, makes it clear in Revelation that the person that he's seen is the Lord Jesus in his glorified state. So I, I think that he, Daniel has seen the Lord. He's seen the one that is back in chapter 7 is referred to as the Son of Man. But, but in this chapter, you have this vision, and, and then you have Daniel conversing, and it seems like not with the person in this vision, but he's conversing with the angel that is there present. And because the last, the last revelation that he spoke about came through Gabriel, as did the one in the eighth chapter, we could assume that Gabriel is still the one who is bringing the revelation to Daniel here. And The reason I bring that up, you know, Gabriel is mentioned only four times in the Bible. Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, Luke chapter 1, and Luke chapter 2. And Gabriel has been labeled as the 
archangel of the Messiah, that his mission always is connected in some way to the Messiah. Now, of course, in Luke, we can see that clearly because he's the one who announces to Zacharias the birth of John the Baptist, who's to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And then obviously he goes to Nazareth and he announces to Mary that she is to be the one to bear the Messiah. But here in the, in the, um, in the ninth chapter, of course, he's talking about he mentioned the anointed one that's cut off, the anointed one that's put to death. So he's talking about the Messiah there. And then in the, back in the eighth chapter, it's a little more difficult to see the connection, but if you follow the eighth chapter out to the end, you have the destruction of this willful king who's destroyed without, without uh, any human effort. He's destroyed by God. So there you would have a reference to the Messiah overthrowing the, the beast in the end. Now, back to what we have here. So Daniel says, he says, I was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. That's an interesting thing. Think about it. So Daniel sees the vision. He, he sees, he, he describes what he sees the others with him don't see it, but something overwhelms them, frightens them to death, and they flee. So it's, it's given to Daniel to see something that the others are not allowed to see. It's an interesting thing. You know, God gives, he gives, sometimes he gives insight that <laughs> others can't see it. They might sense that something's going on. It, it's, it reminds me of Paul, who was Saul at the time. Remember when he's making his way to Damascus, he hears a voice. He falls to the ground. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He, later, when he's telling the story, he says that he was the one who heard the message, but those with him didn't hear it. And it means that they didn't understand the message. So it's a similar sort of a thing here. So he says that terror overwhelmed them. They fled, they hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. John says something similar when he has his vision. He says he fell down to the ground as dead. So this is, this is kind of the, the standard response of a human being to the presence of God. I was reading a book this week, and there's a chapter in the, in the book. Um, it's a, a guy, a theologian, who's looking at kind of the common things that are mentioned in the Bible and then looking a little more deeply at him. So he has a chapter on earthquakes. And you know what, you know, how, how come, his question is, how come earthquakes are so often talked about in relation to the presence of the Lord? The mountains quake at your presence and things like that, that the scripture says. And, you know, and, and he, he went on to talk about the the, the Hebrew word 
maybe you've heard this before, we've probably said it. Um, the Hebrew word for glory, which we find the word glory, the glory of the Lord appeared and so forth. Well, the Hebrew word is the word kabod, and it means, it, it does mean glory, but it, it really means like a weightiness, like substance. Someone said gravitas is, that's a, a way to understand this. And, and so he, he was talking about, he was just illustrating, you know, if, if I jumped into a pool of water, uh, there would be a water quake. If, I, uh, if a boulder landed on an, uh, a sheet of ice in a lake, there would be an ice quake. And he said, when the presence of the Lord comes upon the earth, the heaviness of the presence of the Lord is what causes the earth to shake. But then he made this connection. He said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, the person who claims to have met the God of the Bible and yet has never had their life shaken up, everything's still just in the order that they've placed it in. He said, you have to question whether they've met the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible will bring an earthquake into your life. He will displace everything. He will rearrange our lives. That's what he does. You know, we've talked about before, you know, people leaving the faith these days, people doing what they're calling deconstructing. I once knew Jesus, but I don't believe in him anymore. And you wonder, did they ever really meet the Lord? Did they ever have that, that shaking in their life that was so radical that there's, you can never escape the reality of that? You look back on that and you just think, okay, whatever else is going on right now and however things look and maybe I can't understand them and I don't know where God is, I know where God was at a certain point in time. He rocked my life. And I just thought that was, that was a powerful insight. So Daniel describes this um, fell into a deep sleep with his face to the ground. A hand touched me. And so this is a hand touched me. This seems like this is a different person than the one in the image. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, or uh, the King James Version is greatly loved. Either one of them are, are good translations. But Here's, here's Daniel feeling completely undone, but the message to him is that he's, he's greatly loved. He's highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. S- listen to this. The f- since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. How long did Daniel pray for? He prayed for 21 days. He prayed for three full weeks. And now the angel is telling him that all during your prayer, from the time you began to pray, I was sent to you, but I was opposed 
for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, this is Michael the archangel, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns the time yet to come. Now, this is so fascinating because when the angel says to him, I was dispatched to come to you, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me, 21 days, then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. He's talking, he's not talking about the, the, the human king of Persia. He's talking about the spiritual power that is behind the Persian empire. He's talking about what Paul describes in Ephesians chapter six as the principalities and the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age. And this is a reality that we, we need to understand that behind the world governments are demonic forces. They are the ones who are behind the scenes manipulating. As Paul says in earlier in Ephesians, he refers to, to the devil as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. You know, sometimes we wonder like how how could things get so crazy? And a question a lot of people have is, how could things get so crazy so quick? Well, the truth is, they were already crazy, <laughs> but there wasn't quite the opportunity for the craziness to show itself. So none of this stuff happened, you know, just overnight. My dad, I was with my dad this weekend, and um, my dad's a uh, Roman Catholic and, and a real believer in Jesus. And we, we have some great fellowship, but one of his favorite preachers from a previous generation was a man named Fulton J. Sheen. Yeah. Some of you might remember. Somebody remembers Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, Fulton J. Sheen was a bishop, and uh, he was very popular. When I was a kid, we used to watch him on TV. And, you know, he was like a Catholic bishop TV preacher, but he was brilliant. Very, very, very bright, bright man. And very godly and very biblical. But anyway, my dad and I, we were, uh, my dad was telling me, he said, oh man, I read this quote on uh, social media the other day, Bishop Sheen, and it was prophetic. And I said, dad, I posted that. And he's like, <laughs> he's like oh, are you sure? And I, I went back in my Twitter account. I said, yes, here it is. He goes, yes, that's the quote. So, so today I get this, I get this, you know, paragraph from my dad and it's, and it's Bishop Sheen in the 1960s. And my point was, he was, this was a quote from him in the 1960s. And my point was, he was describing today. He was talking about, in the 1960s, he was saying that men no longer are governed by reason. They're governed by feelings. I thought, wow, that was pretty perceptive, you know, back in the, the 60s. Well, so anyway, he sends me this thing today. And it's, it's basically Fulton Sheen describing in a sense, he's describing what the Antichrist will do, but he is, he is literally, if I, if I read this to you, you would say, the guy is writing about today. 
I mean, the, the parallels, the similarities, the, the self, the exaltation of self. I mean, it's just really, really a fascinating thing to look at. And so, yeah, so, so anyway, he's, he's describing back then the activity of the, the principalities and powers. And it's the same thing that is being described here. I had this thought as I was reading this over. I was thinking, you know, it's so interesting because we're talking here. Now, the Persian Empire was this, you know, a, a great world empire that conquered, subjugated, persecuted people, brought them under its dominion and authority and, and so forth. And um, it wasn't as ruthless or brutal as the Babylonian Empire before it or the Assyrian Empire before it, but, you know, it was a world empire. And the Persian Empire was replaced by the Grecian Empire. And we saw, and we're going to see again, you know, Alexander the Great, he conquers the Persians, he conquers the known world at the time. His kingdom extends all the way to India. It's amazing the vastness of Alexander's empire, but then he dies and his four generals take over. And then we talk a little bit about that history uh, between the northern power north of Israel, the, the Seleucid kingdom and the, and the Ptolemaic kingdom in the south and how they battled. And, you know, it was murderous and it was horrific, just as all world empires are. But here's the crazy thing. And this is what I was thinking about. So I think I told you guys, you know, I went to Canada and the beginning of the week, I'm going to go to Canada on, I'm supposed to go that week, but I'm going to go through Seattle to be, uh, Saturday night, Cheryl has that intense uh, vertigo attack. And that puts her in the hospital. And then the next few days, she's got a retreat coming up. She's feeling like I can't go to the retreat. I, I cancel part of my trip. She ends up feeling better. I decide I'm going to go on my trip. So she goes to the retreat. I go to the airport. I go to check in. And this retreat's been being planned for months and, or this conference with these you know, pastors in Canada who haven't had a conference in a couple of years. And they're really excited about this, but they're having all kinds of challenging little situations on their end as well. But I get to the airport and I go to check in and they say, sorry, sir, we don't have a flight for you. Uh, can't find your name in the, here anywhere. And so little, little glitch there. And we got through it and I got on the flight and I, I made it up there. And so anyway, as, you know, as time went on and we all kind of started comparing notes, the guys that came from Western Canada, from BC, they had the greatest flood in the known history of Western Canada. Wiped out freeways, bridges, overflowed communities, took them what would have taken them 11 hours took them 30 hours to get there. So, so all of this stuff, you know, I mean, you don't want to just say, well, you know, the devil was after us. He trying to block my ticket and then this happened on the road and all that. But the point is, it's true. Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. 
Hi, Pastor Brian here, and it is the beginning of a new year, and I think one of the greatest things about the gospel is the truth of the grace of God, that we're saved by grace, that we live in His grace, that ultimately we are brought home through His grace. And so this month, we are offering a great little booklet by Paul David Tripp, 40 Days of Grace. So what a great way to start the new year, taking a deep dive into the grace of God. And so if you would like to get your copy, let us know and we'll be happy to send you 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. Again, this month's resource is a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. You can order the book 40 Days of Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp to help you better understand that grace is more than you think. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.